And now here's another timely yet timeless word from the Word of God from one of our services at First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. Just a quick bit of trivia. When Jesus was born, did he cry? Yeah, he was a baby. It always cracks me up. My favorite thing to do for students is to like do a quiz and ask, did Jesus cry? And they're always like, no, well, no crying in me. It's like, yeah, that's a song. <laughs> that's not what scripture says. I mean, scripture doesn't mention him, him uh, crying, but he was fully human. So in babies, that's kind of how they communicate is, is screaming, which I can tell you, uh, Emery's lungs are very good at telling us what she wants uh, <laughs> whenever she's uh, in need. Uh, if you have your Bibles, uh, turn open to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. So last week, Dave started us off talking about what is the gospel, and that's kind of what we're looking at this Advent season. What is the gospel? He began with creation and fall last week, that God created man in his own image. He created them male and female. He created them to have dominion, and he created them perfectly. But then there was an issue, and that is that in chapter 3, we have the fall of humanity. We see that Adam and Eve, both right there together, made the decision to, uh, to go against God, to, to uh, fall from his command. And because of that, sin entered into humanity. And at that very moment that sin comes in, God yet makes a promise that there will be one who will come to crush the head of the serpent. And the rest of the Old Testament is us looking forward to this person, right? We, we see uh, men rise up. We see men like Joseph rising up. Uh, he, he saves his family from famine, brings them into Egypt. And yet what happens at the end of the story? He dies. Right, We have all throughout the judges, Right, we have many judges that appear and they seem that they're going to be pretty awesome and yet they always fail, they always fall. And then we have this man, David, that shows up, this king of Israel, this king that that unites the kingdom, that actually expands his kingdom. Uh, We see that he follows God, that even whenever he was not king as of yet, but king in waiting, if you will, uh, that whenever he had the opportunity to kill uh, the king Saul and take his throne, that he resisted. We saw that he was a patient man, and yet we see that uh, later on in the story, that one night he messes up. He, bring, he, he himself sins, and now we are left looking once more. Who is this promised one that's going to crush the head of the serpent? And throughout the entire Old Testament, the reader can sit there and read and say, when is this one going to show up? And finally, we have the Gospels. And specifically, we're going to be looking at Luke's account here in chapter 2. But there is something to be said about the man Christ Jesus, and that is we must ask ourselves, who is this Jesus? Who is Jesus? And this is actually an interesting question because everybody, every religion out there has to have an answer for who is Jesus. It's kind of interesting. No other religion, you know, right? We don't have to, us as Christians don't have to reckon with the idea of who is Shiva, right? But yet you look at Hinduism, who is Jesus in Hinduism? He is one of many gods, right? Who is Jesus to Islam, right? He is a prophet. As a matter of fact, the Quran says that when uh, Jesus was born, he immediately came out and said, I am not God, which is a, a pretty miraculous thing to say. I'd probably say that's, that's probably wrong for a baby to come out and just say, uh, you know, I'm not God. But 
But nevertheless, every religion has an answer to this question of who is Jesus. As a matter of fact, uh, the early church around 300 in a city of called Nicaea, uh, bishops came together to ask this question specifically. Who is Jesus? What is the nature of Jesus? Is he of the same substance as the Father? Is he divine or was he a created being? As a matter of fact, there was one man by the name of Nicholas of Myra. Yes, uh, a very familiar name around this time of year if you catch my drift, uh, who actually slapped a man uh, because he got this question wrong. Uh, so I, I see a few of you smiling. Yes. Uh, so you can go home today and say, man, uh, I did not realize that about uh, old St. Nick. But, um, but yeah, but actually uh, a guy who said that Jesus was uh, a created being of God, he slapped him in the face and when asked later, uh, told to leave, he said, I wasn't wrong. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> which honestly makes me think that the guy's from Wakulla County, because that's exactly what some of us would say, right? I wasn't wrong, you know. But uh, but yeah, right. Uh, and, and out of this out of this time, out of this city, the bishops came together and they came up with this statement. They said about Jesus, they said he is the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God of God, light of light, true God of true God, be not begotten, not made, being of the same substance with the Father. Through him all things were made for us men and and for our salvation. He came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit he was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. You see here, we ask this question of who is Jesus, and and while many of us might look at this and say, well, this Jesus is perhaps a a moral figure for us, right? A a, a kind of a a perfect template for us to try to follow, right? Many might say that that Jesus was uh, a happiness, right? We we have this big thing in society now where we just say uh, random words out and kind of expect everybody to follow this thing that no one understands, right? We might say that he is happiness, and when you say, okay, well, what does that mean? You know, no one really Really knows right but but it's interesting that we all must grasp this question of who is Jesus and so today what I want us to do is to look at who is Jesus and ask ourselves personally who is Jesus to me right who is Jesus to me you see a lot of times we ask ourselves these 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 out you know these these really uh, philosophical questions, right? And, and try to come up a, a constructed worldview, but yet we fail to ask the question of what does this mean to my life? What does Jesus mean to me right now? And so we're going to see here in this passage uh, a few figures: one shepherds, and and two uh, two Mary or Mary. Mary, sorry about that, Mary. Uh, Mary, there we go. Uh, Mary, we're going to see these two figures and see exactly how they grasp who is Jesus. So, beginning in verse eight, we see that redemption is announced. We see first verse right there. It says, "In the same region, there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over the flock by night." And then the angel of the Lord appeared to them. In verse nine, it's quite interesting. We, uh, especially nowadays, you know, especially with nativity scenes, we like to uh, lift up the office of shepherd. Right? We we like to think of them as being a, a respectable people, but actually. 
uh, that's not quite the case at this time. Uh, according to the Talmud, which is like a, a, a Jewish history book, it kind of gives us an insight into what the culture thought at this time. Shepherds were some of the lowest people in society. Uh, they were outside in the weather. They were shoveling poo, uh, right? They, they were smelly. They were stinky. And so because of that, Many people did not look fondly on them. And so whenever, uh, whenever the angel comes, he comes, notice this, to shepherds. He could have gone to others. He could have gone to King Herod. He could have even gone to Caesar Augustus himself. As a matter of fact, that's why they're in Bethlehem at this time is because Caesar Augustus has decreed that a census would be taken. But no, instead the Lord announces the, that his Savior has come to shepherds, to the lowest, to the outcast. You see, redemption is not merely for those who are affluent. They're also... To the, it's available to the outcasts as well. And we see time and time again that when, when Scripture and Scripture, when God comes and reveals Himself, He uses the lowest of people to display the greatest of His glory and the majesty of His power. We see that when, when it, God decided to draw the people out of Israel, He used Moses, a murderer, when he decided to create his, uh, or to, to establish his kingdom and have his greatest king, he used the lowest son of Jesse, the runt, the one that not even Jesse himself thought was worthy to be king. And right here we see that Jesus comes and is born in a place that he didn't even have proper lodging. He was laid in a manger. And the Lord, uh, the glory of the Lord comes, the angel appears to them, the glory of the Lord is shown in verse 9, and we see also that they are filled with great fear. It's quite interesting, as a matter of fact, it's right before this in chapter 1 when Zechariah uh, has the angel of the Lord come to him. He also too is filled with great fear, so it's quite interesting that in this narrative here, every time the Lord appears, all of a sudden there's great fear. They have to call, you know, the angel's like, hey, calm down, calm down. I'm not going to kill you or anything. I've actually got a message for you. But we see here that, that he's filled with great fear as similar to chapter 1. And then it says the angel came to him and said, fear not, for behold, I bring you Good news of great joy that will be for all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Now the term Christ, Christ is not a, a last name. We, we a lot of times say Jesus Christ and we, we attribute that to uh, his last name. But actually that's, that's not his last name. Christ is a Greek title. As a matter of fact, it is a Greek uh, translation of a Hebrew word meaning Messiah. And so when Jesus right here is was saying Christ, the Christ, he's saying the Messiah. Jesus the Messiah is born this day. And notice too that he uses this word who is Christ, who is Messiah what the lord right and in fact this this word right here lord will be later used in verse 15 when talking about when the shepherds are are talking they're saying hey the lord has revealed this to us there's a connection there that that this jesus is not merely a man but instead is something more than that and the shepherds recognize that 
The shepherds recognize that immediately when the, when the angel is done. And he tells them, he says, uh, he says, glory to God in the highest, right? The angels come, uh, they, they begin to sing glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace be, uh, peace among those who with him, with whom he is pleased. We see here that the angels begin to rejoice at the fact that who Jesus is, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Lord who has come to bring salvation to all of mankind. And he tells them, the angel says to this to the shepherd, he says, this is your sign that this is the Lord. You'll find him wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. Once again, not a kingly establishment, but yet one that was familiar to the shepherds that they were talking to. And so, you get to the, the next part of the passage, which is redemption in the flesh, right? Verses 15 through 18 and, and also verse 20, right? So these shepherds now have received this message. They're, you're right, they're, they're just doing their normal thing, normal March to November thing of being out in the field, being, keeping watch over all of the, the cattle, over all of the sheep, over whatever it was that they were shepherding. And they have this angel come on them to tell them exactly what's going on and notice what they say. They say, let us go to Bethlehem to see this thing that has happened that the Lord has made known to us. And notice this. Next verse it says, and they went with haste. The response as soon as they received the message that the Messiah, the Lord was here, notice that their response was immediate. There is something to be said about our response of who is this Jesus. Our response must be immediate. Immediate to follow, immediate to see what it is that Scripture proclaims about this Jesus. Are we indeed immediate with the Lord's response? Perhaps you're here this morning and the Lord is calling you to do something and you're hesitant. Let me go ahead and tell you that is the wrong H word here. We are to go with haste. And yes, it can be difficult. The Lord can call us to go away from family. The Lord can call us to go to another job. The Lord can call to uproot us. But yet we know His plan is perfect. And how do we know that? Because we see His plan of salvation throughout Scripture is there to give us life and not to give us death. So they went with haste, and they find Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. Verse 17 says, When they saw it, they made known the saying that the Lord had told them. Basically, they say, Hey, this is what the angel of the Lord came and said. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. So they all sat there and just marveled. And so it begs the question of, did Mary and Joseph indeed understand fully what was going on even at that time? You know, and you can kind of see it, right? Um, you know, here, you've got fathers out here. My, I never went through childbirth. My, my wife did. Uh, but being a father and being a passenger in the room, uh, it was kind of a whirlwind the two times, right? You know, doctors are coming in. You know, you have you know scalpels everywhere you're like what in the world are these for that's i didn't think we we're this doing this kind of thing right uh but but it's just kind of a whirlwind and you get caught in the moment then the child arrives and you sit there and you just are in awe i, I don't know about you but at four o'clock in the morning i was i was a blubbering mess right crying this is so beautiful uh and uh it, it, right it, it just it was all this whirlwind of everything going around and i failed to notice 
you know, the most profound thing, which was that we went from being a family of two to a family of three or a family of four, right? That all of a sudden, in that moment, lives changed. And perhaps Mary and Joseph were in somewhat of a similar situation. Perhaps Joseph was sitting there fretting about the fact that he couldn't give his family accommodation. Perhaps Mary is, is sitting there fretting about, oh my goodness, am I going to die because of infection from where I'm at right now, right? Uh, it, you know, and, and all these things happen, and then all of a sudden, the shepherds show up, and they begin to say what the angel Lord said, and they take a moment, and they pause, and they wonder, and they marvel at what exactly has happened, that this promised one that we've been waiting for, for since Genesis chapter 3, verse 15, is now here. And the shepherds then, verse 20, they returned back to their fields, but they did not leave the same. They left glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen, just as it had been told to them. See, they, they responded with haste to the message that the Lord gave them, and it changed their lives to where they did not leave the same people. My question to you is this. Have you been changed like that with the gospel? Where you heard the truth of who Jesus is, the Messiah, the Savior, and after hearing it, you have never been the same. So that's one response there. The next response is from Mary. And I call this redemption without fault because, uh, you know, you have to use, you know, when you, you do points, you've got to keep the same thing. And, but, and really, when you look at redemption here, you look at Jesus, we see that Jesus has come and he is one without fault, right? Uh, in verse 21, it says, And at the end of eight days, when he was circumcised, he was called Jesus. Now, this is, uh, this is a big thing. For, uh, Jewish boys weren't considered a part of the, the nation of Israel until the eighth day after they were circumcised, at which, at that time is when they received their name and officially became part of the tribe, uh, right? Uh, and so because of this, like, the child wasn't named. Like, it was just baby, and then eight days, it was Jesus, right? Uh, I know some of us have probably wished that our parents waited eight days to figure out what our name is, right? I know my parents were really like, please don't use the Lord of the Rings character, please don't use the Lord of the Rings character, but alas, they failed because we made that 4 a.m. decision. Uh, but, uh, but yeah, but, and, and you can see here, like, uh, Jesus becomes part of the tribe after eight days fulfilling the law. This is why, like, when you look at uh, 2 Samuel, when King David's son, uh, who was conceived out of uh, an affair, out of sin, and dies uh, before the eighth day, this is why David is so devastated. Because, one, the child had no name, but two, the child was not also a part of Israel, a part of the nation. And, and yet, at the end of that, uh, when the child dies, he, he eats, and what does he do? He says, he says that he will one day see that child in Sheol. He'll see that child in heaven with him. And so it wasn't necessarily that, uh, that, it, that, he, that you know, before this eighth day, the child was just gone, but it wasn't that it was a, wasn't part of the nation. Let me ask you this. Have you suffered this year to where you're going through Christmas right now and you are in shambles, right? Uh, are you grieving, you know, loss? Let me just tell you that there is hope there is hope in this man, Christ Jesus. But I want to look at here the response of Mary. Because this one, and I actually told Dave on Tuesday, this one perplexed me a little bit, and I, I had to look. I've read over this a hundred times, as many of you have on Christmas morning. But this one word really, really caught me. Verse 19 says, Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them 
in our heart. This term ponder here, uh, it doesn't just necessarily mean just considered. Uh, this, this term also has a, a, a hint of, uh, of uh, astonishment, of mystery, of trying to figure out, you know, right? Trying to work out. And so here she is, right? The angel of the Lord has come to her, you know, nine months before, told her everything that's going to happen. We even have this song, The Magnificent, uh, where Mary just begins to praise God for everything that's going on. And yet we see right here that Mary herself doesn't quite understand what's going on and is, and is trying to work things out in her own mind. Maybe some of us are like Mary here. We've heard the gospel over and over and over again, right? We grew up in Christian homes, right? We, we grew up understanding what it is that Scripture talks about, and we understand it in our head as head knowledge of, yes, this is a thing that has happened, but we haven't quite wondered and astonished about it in our lives and asked, what does this mean for us? Right, we we've heard this as kind of an intellectual, uh, trivial, like a, a knowledge trivia base, right? But we haven't asked the question of what does this mean to me. Now, I'm not saying that's what Mary is talking about here, but the fact that Mary is sitting here pondering this, like what does this all mean, taking this in, begs us to ask the question of have we taken in who is the man Christ Jesus to us? Right? Perhaps many of us, you know, we're, we're in Wakulla County, right? Many of us have gone to the same church all of our lives because our families have gone to this church all of our lives, right? This church is well over a hundred years old, as many of the other churches in this area are. We've come into the pews, right? Many of us sat in these pews nine months before we were born. And we've heard this story over and over and over again, but we've never asked the question, what does this mean to me? You see, just as the early church fathers, the shepherds, and Mary herself had to ask the question of who is Jesus to them, you also need to ask the question, who is Jesus to me? Is Jesus your salvation? Or is Jesus the excuse to buy an excess during the month of December? Is Jesus your Messiah? Or is Jesus the reason why you go see extended family once a year? Is Jesus your everything? Is Jesus worth it? This Christmas, let us ask the question here and just I, I pray that the the response that we have as a as a as a people is the response of the shepherds to go with haste, to not let a moment pass before respond. And so here we are going to go into a time of response. And perhaps you've been sitting there like Mary for, for years asking, who is this Jesus? And, and just kind of pondering it. Let me tell you something. Just as Dave started last week, you were created to be in relationship with God. And yet something has come into this relationship that has pretty much made it dead for us to be able to go in, and that is sin. But yet even at that moment that sin enters in, the promise of the gospel, that there will be one to come to crush the head of the serpent, that that promise was that he would come. We look, as we said, throughout the entire Old Testament waiting, and finally here in Luke chapter 2 in the Gospels, we see that the man Christ Jesus comes, right? The Messiah, the Lord has come down to take on sin. He, he takes on flesh. He, as Hebrews says, he, he experiences all of humanity to be able to 
to be our mediator, to understand what the human condition is, to stand before God. And 33 years later, he would go and die. But he did not stay in the grave because after he, he died, he rose from the grave, thus defeating death and defeating sin. And next week, we will see that this is not the end of the story when it comes to Jesus, that he will indeed come and once and for all vanquish sin, destroy it, cast it into the fire, and he will reign forevermore. So let me ask you this. Will you make haste with your response to the gospel? Let's pray. Father, we come before you, Lord. We praise you. We honor you. We thank you for allowing us to be here. Father, we praise you for this Christmas day. Father, of us being able to come together as, as a body of believers, as family, to, to look at Scripture, see what it reveals to us, and Father, respond to it. Father, we praise you for your love for us, that even when we were still sinners, you sent Jesus to die in our place. Lord, we love you and we praise you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for joining us for this podcast from First Baptist Church of Crawfordville. You can find more information and follow us on Facebook or visit our website, CrawfordvilleFBC.com.